My name's Jennifer Allen. I'm on the preaching team here at the Vineyard, and I'm so happy to be here this morning. So we've been in a series that Kurt has started called the Rescue Series, Jesus on Mission, and we've been going through the I Am Statements of Jesus. And so today, I am going to talk to you about the I Am Statement that Jesus made that he is the vine. That's mine that I've been working through. So I want to ask you guys to pray with me if you would. Father God, thank you so much that you are with us in all things, that you are faithful, Lord. Just like we sang this morning, you truly are faithful. You love us. You know us. God, you know all things. And I just pray that you would bless uh, this time, Lord, and that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have been given the, a really great text to talk on. This is John 15, verses 1 through 17. And I just want to start by saying that this is a very long portion of text, and it could probably be a whole sermon series on its own. But I'm going to do my best to try to use the time that I have to share the things that the Lord has put on my heart about this verse, and I hope that it speaks to you. So you can turn with me in your Bible if you've got it, and if you're preaching like me today and you didn't bring it, but you have your phone, you can do it on the Bible app. So this is John 15, and I'm just going to go through verses 1 through 8, but we're going to do 1 through 17. So verses 1 through 8, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be be my disciples. So let's stop there for a second. I want to, just for context, remind us that these are the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, and it's either at the Last Supper or on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's going to be arrested. And... The reason, if you don't know the story, the reason he's going to be arrested is he's done nothing wrong, but he's going to die for us because he's the Savior of the world. And that's what he came to do for us, was to make this great sacrifice for us. So right before he's going to go die for us, he's giving his disciples his last like charge, his last words before he gets and leaves this earth. And so he's telling them these things. Now the whole of scripture really is all about relationships. And more specifically, I think it's all about the Father, Son, 
and the Holy Spirit in relation to one another and the Trinity's relationship to us, to people. When you hear, I am the vine, what do you think comes next? I am the vine. You are the branches. But I want to point back to what it actually says in Scripture. It actually says, I am the vine, my Father is the gardener. Jesus points to his Father first and his connection to his Father before he brings us into it. I am the vine, my Father is the gardener. We come later. The Father is the gardener and he's the one doing the work. He's the one tending to the vine, and the vine is producing branches. And the branches are bearing fruit. I found this little video clip about how the gardener takes care of grapevines, and I think it's helpful, so let's take a look. Springtime is the perfect time to be pruning your grapes, especially this year when the temperatures dropped into the minus 20s. A lot of damage was done to the plants without us even knowing it. And now this time of year with the new growth, we can see what's alive and what's not. Let's first do a quick lesson on grapevine anatomy. The structure that goes vertically from the ground to the wire is known as the trunk. Once it becomes horizontal and runs along the wire, it is known as the cordon. From the cordon is last year's growth known as spurs. From those spurs, the growth this year is called a shoot from which this year's fruit will come. There's just a few basic tools that you need when you're pruning grapes. First, your hand pruners for the smaller wood that you'll be cutting. Secondly, the loppers for something that may be a little bit larger. Worst case scenario, the pruning saw for the really large stuff. And then of course, for safety purposes, gloves and safety glasses. Pruning is the removal of plant material to achieve a horticultural goal. And today our goal is to maximize fruit production. We are also working towards maintaining the plant size and form, as well as optimizing the balance between shoot and fruit production. With this particular plant, you can tell that there's a lot of good green growth on it. So it's come through the winter in fairly good shape. What we need to do at this point is reduce the size of the plant itself. And we'll do that by coming in and cutting the canes down to two or three live buds. And then measure about a fist width, four to six inches between the spurs and remove anything in between. We also want to remove any growth that's pointing down that has been damaged by insects or damaged by the winter weather, wind, or hail. Hail damage shows up as scars along the canes. A properly pruned grape has 80 to 90% of its growth removed. As you can see from this plant, there's not very much left from the original plant. All the downward growth has been removed and all that remains is upward pointing growth that's approximately a fifth width or six to eight inches between the shoots. With a good growing season, you can expect to have a bountiful harvest from these plants. Yikes, who knew? Like they, were, they took that much pruning, but it does. 
So something I noticed right off is the proximity that the gardener has to the vine. You know, we live in a time when everything is done by machines, and so you would think there would be some giant machine doing all of this, but it's not. It's this man, and he's close to that vine, and he's working with it with his hands. His own hands have to touch the vine and tend to it. He takes careful notice of what has occurred to the branches and the vine, especially taking into account the weather it's endured and all of the things that it's gone through. I noticed that um, when he's trimming back the vine, he uses different kinds of tools for whatever's required. Those big giant, what did he call them? The lopers or lop, I was like, oh. And did y'all notice like how big and beautiful it was? And then it was like naked. It was like totally nothing left of it. You know, and sometimes I think, we get pruned and feel that way. The gardener knows. He cuts off every branch in me. Let me back up for a second. I noticed that what he said in there was that he chops off a good, uh, to produce good fruit, 80 to 90% is reduced. That's a lot, right? That's a lot. The gardener truly knows what the plant is made to do. And he knows how to help it become the most fruitful it can be. He knows exactly what his purpose is, and he knows what the plant's purpose is. In the video, he also said his goal was to maximize fruit production, to maintain plant size and form, and to optimize balance between shoot and production. I'm reminded of Jesus' words. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it is even more fruitful. And the gardener knows exactly what the fruit is. And if Jesus says that his father is the gardener, then he knows us, and he knows what we were made to do, and that is to produce fruit. Galatians 5.22 reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is, where are my kids? Where's the song? I know y'all could sing it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I might have gotten that or, out of order. And self-control. How many times did we sing that growing up? A lot. Because children, like us grown-ups, need to be reminded that's what we're in the process of producing. Fruit. And... <clears throat> When we're being pruned by the Father, it is so that we produce the most fruit. And this is the most of what he's after. He's after the most love, the most joy, most peace, most patience, most kindness, most goodness, most gentleness, most faithfulness, most self-control. Because the gardener, the Father, knows who we are and what we were made to produce. And it this is it. And all those things are really good, right? Who doesn't want more love? Like, who's like, no, I don't want that. No, we do. And who doesn't want more joy or need more joy? I need it. And who wouldn't want more peace? Jesus says, this is the eternal fruit, the fruit that's going to last forever. So why is it important that we bear this kind of fruit, and how does it grow in us? 
Jesus knew we were going to need to understand this concept of pruning, and in order to understand pruning, we would desperately need to know and trust the gardener. I think that's important because when we go through pruning, if we don't trust the gardener, it's just going to feel like torture, and it's going to feel mean and cruel. But if we know the gardener and we trust him and that his plans are good, and even when we go through the painful times of pruning, we're do- going through that because he loves us, and there's going to be good fruit that comes out of it. The gardener is the father, and Jesus has this deeply intimate connection, and he's completely trusting in his relationship with the father. I know we can say, well, he's God incarnate. Of course, he has this intimate connection. Of course, he trusts him. But what I think Jesus was expressing to his disciples and to us is that he had to learn to trust his father completely and yield to his hand no matter what was required or asked of him. And he wants us to learn to trust the father in the same way. Remember, he's giving these words to his disciples because, and he's about to go and die for them. And he's saying, remember these things. And he's teaching them these things. Because he wants us to know this, because it's important that we trust the Father. If we're the branches and Jesus is the vine and the Father is the gardener, then whatever we go through, Jesus goes through it, and none of it is outside of the Father's reach. This is hard for me to understand, but still no less true. I want to stop for a second and say, I I don't know why bad things happen to us. And I'm not saying that all the bad things that we go through are the Father's hand of pruning. So don't misunderstand me. But I think there are seasons and things that we go through that even even things that are hard, God can use in our lives to produce fruit. But I also think there are specific things that, just like those tools that he had for specific purpose, that do pruning work in us, that produces maturity that produces that good fruit in our lives so that when the storms, like he said, the hail and the things that come to us, the winter seasons of life, we're still clinging to that vine and we're still producing fruit. There are times when I'm praying and asking God the Father to do something to come for me or for someone I love and to provide a great rescue. There are times when those prayers seem like they're just bouncing off the ceiling. Like, hello, are you there? I'm praying and I'm asking this over and over and over again. They just seem to go unheard and they feel hollow and ignored. And this is very, very painful. If you have an intimate relationship with the Father and it feels like he's not listening to you, that's a stinky feeling. If we weren't here, I'd probably say a different word, but... There are times when those prayers feel like they're going ignored. I I told Kurt recently, um, what's the use of praying? We don't see anything happening. And Kurt is a very wise pastor, you guys. He's got this middle-aged lady telling him this over the phone, and he's very gentle to not be rude or disrespectful to me, but, but gently remind me. But we are seeing God answer prayers, Jen. He is doing things. He's doing stuff. He's at work. He reminded me to keep trusting God's hand and his plan. Now, I tend to get restless and angry and frustrated and confused when I don't see my prayers answered. 
I mean, the things that I'm praying are good things. I'm asking God to heal people. I'm asking him to, you know, deliver people from drugs and alcohol. I'm asking him to provide a job. I'm asking him to do good things, right? Or would y'all say that those are good things? Yeah, those are good things. I mean, I'm not really praying, God, give me a million dollars. I'm just asking him to do these things that I think are good things. And yet sometimes those prayers are not answered. Jesus and the Father have this beautiful relationship. Jesus said earlier, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is teaching us that he and the Father are one. In this illustration, Jesus is the vine. He's the source of life for the whole beautiful plant. And who are we? We're the branches. We produce the fruit. He says that's our one job, to remain. Now, did you notice that the vine is really ugly? Did y'all notice that? That the vine, there's no beauty on that vine. But the branches, right, are producing the fruit. They're the beauty that comes out of it. And the fruit they produce are the grapes, and the grapes produces the wine, right, that we get to enjoy, the good stuff. But it's not going to happen, right, if they don't remain, right? Jesus said, if, if you don't remain, you're just going to be cut off and burned. So you have to remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In those seemingly fruitless, hollow prayers, Jesus whispers to me, remain. Keep remaining. Keep on living in me, making your home in me. Keep on trusting the gardener. And I think this is what he's trying to teach us to do. And this last little portion of text before he goes on to be crucified um, with his little ragtag group of guys, which we're all ragtags, right? We're all the same little group of guys. Jesus is loving and leading and teaching. And the thing, thing that he calls his guys to do is remain. Remain in me. When I try to think of what does it mean to remain or abiding, I have a hard time doing that. I'm a very doery person. So being is not a natural thing for me at all. I like to do and be busy until I get things done and that's it. So being is hard. And my doing produces a lot of stuff in my life. You know, I can go and set out a task and do it and get it done and oh, voila, it's done. But being is a hard thing for me to do. Being sometimes is uncomfortable. It's hard. It's easy for me to be when I'm being by the beach in Costa Rica. I can lay there and be there. It's beautiful, right? I can be in my bed and read on my Kindle when it's a rainy, gloomy day and I don't have anywhere to go. But other times, it's very hard for me to be or remain especially when times in my life are challenging, when the circumstances are hard. I unpack the word remain a little bit, and in scripture, that word also, when it says remain in him, means to stay, to endure. It means to remain unchanged. It also means to make a home, to stay put and settle down, to remain by someone's side, to remain collectively together. It also means to follow or to keep going at something or someone specifically. 
It even means to endure and to um, bear under. Remember when the gardener showed us the snips um, off those producing buds and the branches in a particular way? And then he's careful to take off the ones that are growing down towards the ground. He takes careful note of all the places the branch has scars. I think the gardener, our father, sees all the places in us that are bearing beautiful fruit. And he's careful to take into account where we have weathered all the seasons. He knows intimately the places we bear sorrow and pain, where the storms have left scars on us. And I don't think he ignores that. I think he's tender with those parts of us because he knows those parts of us are fragile. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So in my life, remaining, like I said, is hard for me to do. About eight years ago, my husband uh, lost his career. Some of you may have heard that before. Um, in the middle of that time, we were raising our four kids, and we were homeschooling and kind of private schooling, and we were really involved in our church. Um, we were faithful in our giving and our lifestyle choices, and our family was thriving. Our marriage was bearing up under a large family, and we were doing well, and we loved each other. And I would say that, I mean, if you ask me, we were bearing some good fruit. I mean, it was not easy raising four kids, and I was a stay-at-home mom, and my husband was working and taking care of us. But, you know, I would say that we were producing good fruit. You know, if God had called me up and asked, what, how, how's it going? I would say, I think, like, look, it's going pretty good. Um, but then this job loss happened, and it wasn't just like, well, he lost his job. It was the industry collapsed. So he didn't have a job for a really long time. And I could tell you a lot of details about that season. But what I remember is the feeling of being completely exposed. I just felt like really vulnerable and shocked. And we looked for solutions and we prayed and we asked God what to do. And we consulted lots of people. But um, it was just hard. We bore a lot of scars in that. But what I did learn in that was that um, trusting the Father is important because he will help us remain in those times that just are extremely painful, the brutal pruning of having all the things cut back. I mean, I felt like that vine, like, <gasps> you know, what have you done? It was very hard for me to trust in that time. Some friend of ours gave us a little post-it note that he had had this dream about, and it was floating all in his dream, and it said, trust me, and he gave me a post-it note that said, trust me, and I stuck that post-it note in my car, and I drove around with it for years, trust me, to remind me to trust God, that he was good, and that he loved me, and what he was doing was good. <clears throat> it is to my father's joy that Jesus says that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says, you will bear much fruit when you remain in him. 
Now, I feel like there's a couple of different places that we need to pay attention to, and I think I'm going to run out of time, Kurt, to go through the second half of this. So maybe you'll let me pick it up another time. But I really want us to pay attention to this, and I'm going to have to leave out a whole lot of sermon here. But if we don't learn how to trust God as the Father in our lives, we're missing a huge part of what this is, what this all means. And it is really hard to trust God because you cannot see him, right? He's an invisible God. Unless any of y'all have seen him, I have never physically seen God with my own eyes. There have been times when I have begged to see him. And I have said, I, I need to know that you are very real in this because I feel very, very alone here. Recently, Stefan lost his job again. I know I have a new career. I've been working as a real estate agent for seven, eight years, seven years. So it's a little different. The circumstances are a little different this time. But it is still scary to have your world shifted like that. I'm reminded to remain. So recently I was, you know, having a freak out moment with my sweet husband, who <laughs> he's the one having to go through this, like, and try to figure out what am I going to do now. Um, and Don Jones, in the middle of my freak out, sent a text, and it just said something to, you know, God has this, don't be afraid. Literally, in the middle of my, you know, Don sends this text. Don has no idea that we're having this conversation. He just sent that text. And at that moment, I believe that God was being, I mean, Don was being, you know, God's voice to me. He was bearing fruit. That was the fruit in Don's life to just send that little text. God does that to me over and over again because I need words. I need reminders. He also sends me little tokens of hearts in nature to remind me, I love you. My friend Anne is like a, you know, just like a sister to me. She's very dear to me, Anne McKittrick, and she's in Italy right now. And she sent a picture of a rock that she found that was in the shape of a heart. And I literally had thought, God, let, somebody, let her send me a heart picture, a heart rock just so I can hold on to that, that one day I get to go to Italy and put my feet on that sand to remind me to hold on to that, just like that post-it note. Trust me. Trust me. Now, I'm not even going to get to the second half of the scripture here because we are very, very careful on our time here because the people that serve with our kids in both places have other things to do. But I would miss an opportunity here if I didn't, didn't tell you guys some of us have not, maybe didn't have a great experience with your father at home. Maybe your own relationship with your dad was hard. Or maybe you didn't have a physical dad. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And what we've seen Jesus do is lay down his life for us. I heard Brennan Manning in a book said that he and his best friend went to war together, and his best friend, they threw a grenade in their hole, and his best friend looked at him and smiled and threw himself on the grenade, and Brennan went on to live. And years later, he was at the friend's house telling the mother in the night, I just don't know if he loved me. And she said, an expletive, and said, he died for you. Like, that's it. He died for you. How could he express his love any greater for you? And that's what our Lord did for us, you guys. And what's the fruit that is Jesus? It is love. 
It is joy. It is peace. It is patience. It is kindness. It is goodness. The things this world desperately needs. And he gives it to us so that we can give it away. And so that our lives are richer because of it. So I'm going to just bring us to a time of ministry. If you maybe didn't have a great relationship with your father and you don't know what all this means about trusting a father, um, I want to take a minute to pray for you. Or if maybe you're in your life, you um, maybe for you, Loving is really, really hard to do. The person I feel like I have the hardest time loving in my life is me. So I want to pray for you too. If you really have a hard time loving you. God keeps working on that one with me. And the other thing I want to pray for is those of you in the room that um, maybe you just have no idea what all this stuff with Jesus is. And you want to you want to start that journey. And the last group I really want to pray for because you guys are probably the nearest and dearest to my heart are those of you who just feel like you've been whacked. Like you just feel like, man, could we stop the bloodletting already? This has been a really long season and I'm exhausted. So if you're in any of those camps, would you stand? Would you just stand with us so we can pray? Thank you. So if you just feel like, man, I, I really need I really need God to come through for me. I really need to see the Father. I'm gonna take a minute. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. You are our best friend. God, I thank you for all the things that I didn't get to share today because you planted those things in my heart for another time. Lord, I thank you for my friends right here in the room. Some of us right here in the room, Lord, we've had a hard time understanding you as Father because our own Father just wasn't there for us or he just couldn't be the Father that we needed. God, so... I just ask that you would father us right now with the Father's touch that is good and kind and loving, that's always good, that never has anything wicked in you, that everything about you, Father, is good and holy and right and tender and merciful. Would you father us in that way right now, Lord? Would you touch us in our hearts, God, so that we can receive love? Because we have a hard time doing that, God. And for those of us in this room right now, Lord, that, man, we just have a hard time loving me. We look in the mirror and we see all these places, Lord, where we're just a a mess. Where this isn't going right and that's not going right. And we can't seem to get it together here. And we can't seem to get it together there. And this part of our life isn't going right. And that part's not going right. Would you just speak to that person in there, Lord? And would you say, I love you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. When I look at you, I see my son, and I'm well pleased 
When I look at you, I see my daughter and I'm well pleased. I don't see one flaw in you. I see beautiful, wonderful joy and delight when I look at you. And Lord, for those people in this room that are just clinging to the vine, and there's just they just feel like there is nothing left. This season has gone on for a really long time. I ask, Lord, that you, God, would be tender, just like that gardener had to get up there with his hands and touch that vine. Would you please just put your hands on those in this room, Lord, that feel like that? Would you please just be tender to their vines or to their branches, tender to them in their hearts? God, would you please remind them that you are good, even though this season has gone on for a really long time? Would you remind them, Lord, that they are not alone and you will see them through this? And for those in this room, Lord, who do not know you, but something in their heart has happened this morning or has been happening, and they want to know you, Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would come right now, come up close to them, and say, come home. Come home. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you've done here. We just seal this work in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, and I'm going to bless us, and then I'm also going to invite our prayer team. If you're here on the prayer team, if you would just come, come forward, if anybody would like to extend time of prayer, if you would like an extended time of prayer, these people up here would love to pray for you. For anything, whether it's healing, um, whatever it is, if you want prayer, please just take this opportunity. These people love to pray for you. They're bearing fruit because God has done the work of loving and tending to them, and they want to be available to you. I just want to bless you, moms. There's treats out there for you. So... All, the, all of you ladies that do the work of nurturing and loving, please get some treats. And I'm going to bless us. Holy Spirit, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for Nellie's baby. I'm so excited for a little baby rig. That brings me joy, God. It reminds me of your faithfulness. Thank you for my friends in this room, Lord, and my family. Thank you, Lord, that you are producing good fruit in my life that will last for eternity. The most valuable things, Lord, you are doing. And remind me, Lord, when I'm scared that you are up to good on my behalf. So Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room to hear you and to see you and to trust you and to know your love for them, Lord. That you are faithful as promised, that you will see them through in and out of every 
season, every winter, every storm, every scorching, every hail, Lord, you will be there. And you will not leave them to remain on their own, but you will help them do that. Thank you, Lord. We just pray for these people. I bless them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.